This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9 has just turned 7.07. It is actually Tuesday. It's the 9th of January and you're listening to The Morning Run with Anwar Mabo, Keith Kam and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now in about 30 minutes, we'll be speaking to Lucas Santos for a currency outlook. But let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. Well, yesterday, US markets, in US markets, the Dow closed up 0.6%. The S&P 500 closed up 1.4%, while the Nasdaq closed up 0. Sorry, Nasdaq closed up 2.2%. The Asian markets, uh, Nikkei was up 0.3%. Hang Seng closed down 1.9%. The Shanghai Composite was down 1.4%. The STI was up 0.1%. And our very own FBM KLCI was up 0.5%. Yeah, we are just just a few centimetres away from 1,500. A sneeze away, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, let's see whether we get there. But for some insights on where international markets are heading, we speak to Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the US Trust Bank of America, Private Wealth Management. Good morning, Joe. Let's talk about data that's coming out this week. Important data, which includes, of course, the US CPI and initial jobless claims. Those uh, numbers come out on Thursday. Will, are your expecting, excuse me, are your expectations such that it will reconfirm that the Fed needs to stay higher for longer? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think the, the inflation numbers are cooling. We saw a little bump up in energy, certain parts of the energy for December. So, you know, the key for the CPI and the PPI that comes out on Friday, you know, are we moving in the right direction? Is the Fed on course? You know, we, we've had some you know hawkish talk recently, dovish talk from Powell. So I think the markets are just looking for a confirmation that the Fed – is still going to cut rates. But the big question mark, we've debated it all day today, when does the Fed start cutting? It's not whether they cut, but when. Like, is it going to be March or is it going to be June? So this is why these CPI numbers are important. Meanwhile, results season will start in earnest with the big banks reporting on Friday. Now, we know you can't comment on specific stocks, but what are your expectations? How will the results inform and how Main Street is doing? Well, twofold in the sense that the banks will give you a good idea how the consumer is hanging in there. If there's, you know, delinquencies are backing up a little bit on credit cards, on a credit card debt, maybe uh, some mortgage delinquencies as well. Uh, commercial real estate is a big unknown uh, factor this year that we're watching very carefully. So I think the banks can give us a good idea, like kind of the state of the consumer. And we're coming off good retail holiday sales, but how much was that on credit? And how much of that will be you know, not paid in full when we go deeper into, say, February and March? Uh, Joe, I, I kind of noticed that the Nasdaq saw a bit of a rally, uh, 2.2% up overnight uh, overnight for us. Uh, is this more of a function of uh, a, a buy on dip? Are people uh, still very convinced that there is uh, a lot more room, uh, a lot more uh, upward room to go for, for tech stocks? Um, yeah, it's very interesting because they got hammered last week, and then I don't, I don't know what happened over the weekend. They decided to, you know, buy them this morning. So, but I do think that you know, buy the dips technology. When you talk about AI, generative AI, you talk about the cloud. I mean, there, there's still a lot of upside digitalization in general. And these these companies have a lot of cash they could give back in in in, in dividends, share buybacks. So, I think there's a lot of optimism in and around tech. Maybe you know, Apple. It's kind of shown me the, you know the new product cycle. But I do think investors are tempted to buy technology dips. It's just kind of it's been it's in our DNA. Joe, new year, new investment strategy. Is this the year of value or is it a, va- a year of growth? Mm, good question, um, and I don't have a good answer. Probably <laughs> a little bit of both. 
A little bit of both in the sense that we're not looking for a recession. So the growth story should kick in. And if the Fed does cut rates, just say the Fed cuts rates, say, three times instead of six, if the market's expecting, that's going to give you kind of a more of a cyclical uh, bent towards value. But if we're going to slow down and then regenerate growth later, second half of this year, post the election, then that's more growth. So you really, it's not either or in many cases, you just want to own both. And, you know, we're recommending high quality dividend players, good cash flow, good market leadership. Joe, more attention has been on the U.S. Federal Reserve's dovish pivot. Now, what about the Eurozone? With inflation and growth both moderating in comparison to the U.S., wouldn't the ECB have a stronger case to cut rates faster and deeper than the Fed? I mean, they would. I mean, you think that you know the ECB would be out there. I mean, I think they're a little kind of cautious here um, in terms of where they go next. The hardest thing about the ECB, I feel sorry for them. Because you've got you know multiple countries, over a dozen countries, you have to kind of consider and cycle through, and they're di- they're moving at different speeds. It's the tourism-related industries of say the Mediterranean, you got the industrial cycle in Germany, France is tourism and services, so it's really hard. So you know I, I think the ECB more inflation is structurally embedded, but I think they will. I think the ECB will live with higher inflation than say the Fed. The Fed is very adamant about two percent. And, and staying on with the eurozone, the euro is starting to see some retracement downwards after making earlier gains against the US dollar. Do you foresee the currency trading below its 2023 low of 105 in the near term? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, it's just kind of like range bound. The US economy is weakening. Jay Powell's cutting rates. And we should be seeing a bottoming out of the recession in Europe because they are in recession. They should be you know, kind of coming forward, strengthening. So I, I don't see any big currency moves against, say, U.S. Um, dollar and euro, maybe more against the yen. We're looking for the yen to strengthen here a little bit more. Uh, that's kind of where the currency action is. And then in the emerging markets as well. And Joe, because it's also a new year, I have to ask you, what is the biggest thing that is keeping you up at night when it comes to markets? Is it <laughs> geopolitics, elections in the United States? What is it? Um, here and now, it's the geopolitics, because I think the markets are complacent about one event that could really drive oil prices much higher. Uh, and or if you get any kind of exit ramp in Ukraine, that could be very bullish, particularly for a lot of European stocks, energy as well. So, But the biggest issue to me, it's the election, the U.S. election, because we're already we're having client conversation with clients about moving to the sidelines, not investing. You know, what do I do between now and, you know, the summer? Mm. Um, it's remarkable we're having this conversation. So it's out there. But to me, you know, and there's a lot of you know, the media, there's a lot of gloom and doom in the media about, you know, the two parties and the candidates. Can't we do better? Is this us? You know, it is. It's all of the above. And, you know, we got to plow through this. But but we will. But we're going to take these opportunities on the dips to be buyers. We're, we're buying large cap quality U.S. companies on these dips related to election fears. Joe, stock analysts are picking Japan, India, Vietnam to be the region's standout equity performers in 2024. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Is there another country that should also be on that list? Well, maybe Malaysia. Come on. Um, I hope so, Joe. Yeah. Finally. I hope so. Is that where you're putting your money in? <laughs> I mean, you get some, you know, we, we are very adamant about talking with clients about, you know, Asia x China, which does lead you down to Southeast Asia, uh, Malaysia included, Singapore. Um, you know, different, different economy. Um, but, you know, I think India is like richly valued here. I have kind of a show me attitude. Japan, that's a well-known trade. So 
So we have to see the earnings come through. But I do think Southeast Asia, Malaysia included, that's where the action is. People don't appreciate how big ASEAN is, how much trade, services, agriculture, energy, it's really across the board consumption. So we're putting more money to work X in, in Asia, X China. Right. So, so Joe, you, so you actually have seen the money uh, coming to this region already? Yeah, we, we've seen some. Um, you know, it's, I have to be honest; it's being diverted to India. Uh, it's, you know, at least, but at least, you know, we 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 could not get our clients off the conversation about China. Now they're like saying, "Okay, let, t- tell me what about the rest of Asia?" So it's almost an educational experience for some clients to know about, you know, the Southeast Asian story. India, they get because it's highly publicized here in the United States, but. And so I think there is a recognition on part of uh, the, the emerging market investor that Southeast Asia, beyond India, is a place to kind of look to put some money to work. All right. Thank you for your time. That was Joe Quinn, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management, saying, hey, it's time for Malaysia, finally, for us to shine. Because, I, you know, there is money to be made here. I, I kind of think that this should sort of, um, you know, set the agenda for what uh, our, our Ministry of in- Investment and Miti. Miti to do in the coming year, maybe promote Malaysia a little bit more. Because like Joe was saying, we don't seem to be, we seem to be under the radar uh, compared to markets like India, Vietnam, China. I think it's not that they don't try. Every year there is the Invest Malaysia that happens uh, in New York. It used to happen in London. It even used to go to Tokyo. I don't know whether it still does London and Tokyo, but the audiences seem to get smaller and smaller despite even our Prime Minister making a trip there. I think it's, you know, we just need to get on with the business of doing, carrying out all those reforms that we say we are going to do. That, that's right, because now we sh- listen to Joe, you can tell that, you know, there is interest in this region besides India and China. And yes, Invest Malaysia does help, but also we have to look at countries that are very receptive to putting their money into this region, especially Malaysia. I mean, we're trying very hard. Let's have a Lanka get investment in. It's all about just, you know, keeping our ship sailing continuously when it comes to attracting FDI, improving the ringgit and also corporate earnings. They do need to recover and we do need to have new types of companies that list not just old economy. Uh, But let's turn our attention to some results that came out last night. Jeffrey's Financial Group, they reported a drop in fourth quarter profit and revenue as this investment bank continues to deal with what I see as a deal slump. Now, profit plunged 53% to $65.6 million US dollars year on year, while quarterly net revenue dipped 17% to $1.2 billion US dollars. Now, Jeffrey's revenue was dragged down by a steep drop in asset management, which fell 64% to $141 million and another quarter of declining advisory fees. However, debt and equity underwriting both performed better, helping to boost investment banking revenue, pointing to signs of a possible return of deal-making. Jefferies themselves, uh, they've ex- already expanded their presence abroad in recent months. In December, it said it was starting an investment banking unit in Canada as part of an international expansion of its core Wall Street operations. They've also opened an office in Sao Paulo, Brazil in July. Jefferies has also expanded its partnership with Japan's Sumitomo, Sumitomo Mitsui Financial Group, which agreed to treble its stake in the 
the investment bank. Okay, so not much coverage on this uh, smallish investment bank. I think a lot of attention more on the likes of your Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan. Uh, there's only four analysts that do cover this stock. It, well, sorry, five. And there are just three buys, two holes, uh, no sells. Consensus target price, 44 US dollars and 24 cents. Last time, during regular market hours, it was up 54 cents to $40.69. Now, I'm just wondering... Will this be a precursor or an indication of how the big banks will be reporting come this Friday, whereby earnings are not as robust as Street expects? So watch this space. Uh, but up next, we're going to take a look at the top stories in newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.